I'm Carson Horn, and it's Wednesday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Is it time to move on? But in order to move on, we must first look back. Welcome into Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Yes. I'm talking about Auburn basketball and the possible roster changes that could be coming as both the coaches and players face tough decisions about their futures. But first, let's take a look back at this season. Let's go. We're we're going all the way back to the summer. We're, We're going way, way back. This team started out, they got to have extra practices, and they got to go to Israel and had opportunity that college basketball teams get every, I believe, four years it is, to play during the summer in some type of tournament. Auburn chose to go overseas to Israel. It was a life-changing experience, it seems, at least from what all the players talked about, uh, to see just the, uh, I hope to get to go to Israel one day, just to, to see the sights there and the, get to experience the things they got to experience, the the camaraderie that they got to build on that trip, and they got to play basketball against Israelis' national teams. Uh, and that was an awesome opportunity to get a first, an early look at this team for them to go ahead and start to try to build towards this season. It was a great opportunity for them, and uh, they were a lot of fun uh, to watch. But even before then, we've got to look at the roster changes that happened this past season. You Auburn lost... Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith, two of the greatest players, I think it's fair to say, that have, that have ever come through uh, Auburn, that Auburn basketball program. I understand it was only for a year, but the level of play that they they played at, the uh, the attention that they got and brought onto this Auburn basketball program, got Auburn to a number one ranking uh, for the first time in in school history. There was no replacing those two guys. Jabari Smith with the number three pick in the draft. Walker Kessler was also a first round pick in, in the NBA draft. There was, there was no replacing those two guys. But Auburn did the best they could with, between high school recruiting and, uh, the transfer portal. They brought in Janai Broom, the number one center, I believe, in the transfer portal last year. And he was a great player. Had a phenomenal season, uh, this year for Auburn. They brought in Johan Treor and Chance Westry. Uh, through the high school class, along with Trey Donaldson. And so you built this new roster. Devin Cambridge also uh, transferred out. Uh, so it, it was a new roster this year. You also had guys returning like Zepp Jasper, like Wendell Green, like Chris Moore, like KD Johnson, like Jalen Williams, like Alan Flanagan. But this was going to be a challenge. This was going to be a, a different season because guys are going to have to step up and have bigger roles than they had last year because your stars of the team were gone now. So there were a lot of questions moving on into this season, but still the expectations were high for Auburn basketball because of the level that Bruce Pearl has gotten this program to. There's there's never going to be a low expectations, even if you're losing what you're losing from the previous season, so maybe expectations were too high. But still, the expectations were this was going to be a team that was going to compete for the SEC and still have a chance to make a run in uh, March Madness in the NCAA uh, tournament. However, from the get-go, this roster had deficiencies. And I, I don't know that we necessarily picked up on those right away, 
but I think it was easy to see pretty quickly. Yes, we knew there were going to be question marks of how you're how what production you were going to get at the four. I think Jalen Williams did a did a solid job, but he's no Jabari Smith. There were there were deficiencies at guard. Uh, n- n- nothing against Zep Jasper. Absolutely love Zep Jasper. We'll talk more about him in a bit. But you had a a two guard who, a starting two guard who really wasn't a threat to score. Uh, and and you've got a solid point guard in Wendell Green Jr. But obviously he has his limitations. Uh, we saw that throughout the season. He's the reason Auburn won a lot of games. The reason Auburn was in a lot of games. But two things can be true at once. He was also a liability at times. Just simply because of things he can't control, that being his size and his stature, uh, that was an issue against teams that have bigger bigger guards. So this, this roster had deficiencies. It was not a roster, in my opinion, that, that was that was good enough to to make a deep run in, in, in March Madness to compete for championships. And really, even though I still believe that overall the SEC and college basketball as a whole is on more of a down year, I still don't think this was a roster that was built to compete for championships. And you also had the whole ordeal. You didn't exactly get what you expected out of the two of your star freshmen, five-star Yaron Treor, four to fringe, five-star and Chance Westry. You didn't get the production that you really thought you were going to get out of those two players. Uh, one, Chance Westry looked really good in Israel, as we talked about that trip this summer. But then he had... An injury, uh, he had surgery, tried to come back from it, wasn't the same player. Ultimately, Auburn decided to hold him out. He was going to provide some depth. He was going to provide some size at guard. He could play anywhere from uh, the point guard to the three guard. Uh, and he just, he, he would have been a big help, I believe, to this team if he was at the level that uh, I think Auburn coaching staff, as well as the fans, expected him to be at for the season. But he was not. And then Yohan Treor, I think the expectations were a little bit too high for him. I think possibly the recruiting uh, industry got it wrong on making him a five-star. Extremely talented, extremely athletic, not taking anything against him. He hasn't played basketball for many years at all. He's, he's extremely raw. You saw that this year. He really was more built for playing the five this early on in his career until he could develop more skills to play at the four. But with Janai Broom and Dylan Cardwell, and there really wasn't a spot for him at the five. Auburn needed him to be the four with him and Jalen Williams there, and he really, really was not productive at all. Uh, so you didn't get what you thought. You really got the most production out of Trey Donaldson, who was more seen as the developmental guy in the class, the guy that may not play much at all, if any, in his freshman year, but he's going to be someone who, you know, going to be a four-year guy here if he sticks around, and he'll have a chance to really uh, make a difference. Well, he ended up being really your biggest producer out of the three freshmen uh, that came in. You got a ton out of Janai Broom. I talked about him. He was a big part, another big reason that Auburn was able uh, to win as many games as they were able to and to be in as many games as they were able to. And despite these roster deficiencies, and I know there may be some pushback. I've seen some that that have argued the other point. This roster wasn't as deficient as some would say. Maybe not. But despite this roster uh, deficiencies, in my opinion, they were still able to compete with the biggest and the baddest in college basketball and to play games down to the wire, to be up 10 on a one seed in the NCAA tournament, to be able to nearly beat Alabama twice, to beat Tennessee, to be in games uh, with them. 
it, it is a uh, it's a team that was able to compete despite uh, their deficiencies. But nonetheless, just looking back to you know finish up, just kind of recapping this season, it was a solid non-conference. It was a tough, a very tough non-conference schedule. For this Auburn basketball team, they put themselves in a good position, though. Has some tough losses in non-conference to USC and to, to Memphis. We got a big win over St. Louis. Uh, they, they put themselves in a good spot. They went in conference play. They had a easy stretch to start beginning in conference play, and they did well. Had a five-game winning streak uh, during that because they were playing lesser opponents. That was good because down the stretch, it was brutal. It was a tough schedule, and Auburn really struggled to get wins. As I just mentioned, a lot of close losses when you talk about the West Virginia and A&M and Alabama and Tennessee uh, throughout that stretch where Auburn you know, seemed to stumble uh, down the stretch. But you're actually looking at the teams that they are playing, and, and you look at some of the metrics, Auburn actually played better despite losing uh, those games later in the season. They get an SEC tournament, get a brutal draw against Arkansas, uh, a team who's now in uh, the Sweet 16, if you're still following the NCAA tournament, get a brutal draw against Arkansas, get down big, make a comeback, have a chance to win that game in the SEC tournament, but eventually fall to the Razorbacks. And then that brings us to this past week where Auburn uh, faced off, really got a good draw, got to play Iowa in March Madness, and they got a win, really probably one of the best games, if not the best game Auburn played all season long, really was fun to get another NCAA tournament win uh, against Iowa and uh, played really well. Everybody contributed. Uh, really fun game to watch. Then they took on Houston, the number one seed. A Houston team that was banged up but certainly didn't look like it. Uh, the way Marcus Sasser played, he said he was at 60%. If he's able to drop over 20 points at 60%, then I don't want to see 100%. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that one bit that he was at 60%. I know he wasn't fully healthy, but man, he was still really good. And so there was a lot of confidence from Auburn and other, um, people out there that Auburn was going to be able to pull off this upset because of Houston's injury issues and the game being in Birmingham and so forth and so on. And Auburn played as about as good as they could have, uh, in the first half. That, I mean, they, they were outstanding. And then they played about, a bad, about as bad as they could have in the second half. But give credit to Houston. If they get healthy, they can win it all. I firmly believe that. Um, but also Auburn did play uh, really poorly there in the second half. And that was the end of it. That that concluded uh, the season uh, for, for Auburn basketball. And so that brings us finally to where I want to get to where we're at now. Is how do you define... Do you, do you, was this season a success in, in your opinion? I put that qu- uh, question out there on social media and I got mixed responses. I figured I would, uh, because really I wasn't sure how I felt about, about this season and, and whether this season was a success or not. On Twitter, I think it ended up being a little over 50% said yes compared to no. On Instagram, it was fairly overwhelming no to yes. But it really goes back to how do you define success? What is your criteria for success? And I think a thing that sticks out to me is most of my following on Instagram is people more my age or younger. So more of recent history Auburn basketball fans. On Twitter, you've got a little bit of an older following. I've got a little bit of an older following and people who took that poll for the most part 
are a little bit older. So they they watch a few more years of Auburn basketball. They know where Auburn basketball has been in the past. And so I think their criteria is a little different. I would go as far as say if you said yes that this season was a success, and your criteria is probably based on Auburn basketball historically. And the fact that Auburn basketball historically has not been great. Uh, you know, has some good years in there, has some good runs uh, in there, but just not a historically very good basketball school. And so, therefore, a 20 wins, uh, you know, a 20 win season, 21 win season, uh, you know, making the NCAA tournament and winning a game, that's a success in, in your book because you know the amount of years that Auburn went without sniffing the NCAA tournament. And you also, maybe it's not that, maybe it's just you understand the, the makeup of this year's roster. Talking to uh, my friend, that was kind of his reasoning. I, when I asked him, would he consider this season a success? He, he would mention things that I just talked about. The roster deficiencies, this was not a, a, a stellar roster. Don't get me wrong. I'm not down on any of these players. This wasn't a bad roster by any means. This was a solid roster, but this was not a next-level championship caliber uh, roster by, by any stretch of the imagination. And, and so if you look at it in that way, you know, over 20 wins, making the NCAA tournament, winning a game in the NCAA tournament, maybe that's a, a success. If no, your criteria is probably based on recent Auburn basketball. You're probably thinking about winning the SEC regular season championship, winning the SEC tournament championship, making it to the Final Four. Those are the type of things that you're probably thinking of if you're saying, no, this wasn't a success because Auburn finished 7th in the SEC. They got beat out in their first game in the, NCAA, in, uh, in the SEC tournament, and they only won one game in the NCAA tournament. What I'm going to pitch to you is both of you can be right, whether you have the the yes or no, it wasn't a success opinion. It really just comes down to how you view Auburn basketball, and I don't think either are wrong in, in your opinion. However, I will say this. I believe that this season was not up to Bruce Pearl's standard. He wants to be competing for SEC championships year in and year out. He wants to be competing for a chance to go to the Final Four year in and year out. He had a team last year and that I believe and that he believed could win the national championship. Unfortunately, we saw later on there were some deficiencies in that roster too, and it just didn't get exposed until a little bit later on, and it was uh, maybe too late for Auburn to have adjusted and figured that out. But this wasn't up to Bruce Pearl's standard, and we'll get back into that when we come back for the break as we continue our talk on Auburn basketball. Welcome back to Talking Tumors now here on Weagle 91.1. So as we left for break, I said this, this season I don't believe was up to Bruce Pearl's standard. So where does he go from here then? If it wasn't up to a standard, how does he get it back to the level that he expects Auburn basketball to be at year in and year out? Well, he told you after the Houston game. He said, I'm getting to recruiting tonight. That's where it starts, and you could argue that's where it ends too. you got to have the dudes. You know, I, I think about I think about Arkansas, and Eric Musselman's an absolutely incredible coach. He always gets his teams to, to play the best in March. And this was Arkansas team. That's, it was a frustrating season for them. Don't want to go too much into it. But he's loaded with talent, and eventually that talent, if it starts to come together, they're a dangerous team, and for Arkansas, it finally has between them getting healthy, and uh, so now 
You've seen they're back in the Sweet 16 going for their third straight Elite 8 appearance. Uh, so that that's just a, a snippet there just to say talent matters, and Auburn is lacking a bit in talent. But the thing about Bruce Pearl, and, and I admire him for this, Bruce Pearl doesn't quote-unquote process players. He doesn't believe in that. He's loyal to the guys that he brings in, and he, he doesn't want to essentially take away their scholarship. That's that's just not how he does things. And I respect that about Bruce Pearl, but it also can make some things challenging as far as if, if you need to elevate the level of your roster, if you're not willing to say, hey, it's time for time for you to, to move on. So these next few months are, are going to be crazy. As far as basketball recruiting goes and the transfer portal, you're seeing it already start to light up, uh, you know, the difference between football and basketball, the, at this point, the high school recruiting for this class is pretty much over with for basketball. Uh, but transfer portal is what the focus will uh, be on here in these next few months. So it's going to be uh, really interesting to watch, and we'll have you covered each and every week here on Talking Tumors. But there's going to be some players that are going to be faced with some tough decisions. Uh, whether to return to Auburn, whether to transfer, whether to go to uh, the NBA. And we've hinted at this some. Uh, I've talked about it some. And, and then there's, you know, the coaches have to make some tough decisions. I told you they don't believe in processing, but that doesn't mean they're not going to have some discussions with some players with something to the effect of, you know, this is what we're planning to do. This may cut into your minutes next year. You know, we're not forcing you to leave, but maybe maybe encouraging. Look, this is speculation on my part, but I do think some of those conversations may have to be had or have already been had. But let's look at uh, this roster. Everyone can return next season except Zep Jasper. He was the only one that used up all his eligibility. So if you look at that, that means as far as scholarships are available and what you can go for in the transfer portal, if that is the case, then Aiden Holloway, who the lone uh, high school signee for Auburn this year, he comes in, fills Zep, uh, Zep Jasper's roster spot, and that leaves you one open scholarship left because Auburn's going to get back, I believe, the scholarship that they had uh, put on themselves, the scholarship reduction they put on themselves due to you know, past issues there at the NCAA. And they'll get that one back. So you've got one scholarship spot open if everyone returns. Don't believe that's going to happen. think there's going to be a lot of turnover. But that's just if things stay as they are. The guys I've really got my eye on are Alan Flanagan and Jalen Williams. For Both of them have COVID years left, um, but both can uh, decide to go on to the pro level. Alan Flanagan, in my opinion, has a greater chance of being an NBA player than Jalen Williams. Love Jalen, fantastic player. His skill set doesn't necessarily translate, though, to the NBA, I don't think, personally. Uh, but we'll see. But I think uh, those two guys are certainly keep keep an eye on. Auburn would love to have them both back. Uh, then you got uh, Katie Johnson, Chris Moore, Yohan Treor, and Stretch Akimbola. I believe Stretch, pretty, I don't know if he said it publicly, I do believe that he is moving on. Uh, I think maybe Bruce said it that he is planning. He grad, he's you know graduate now, or will graduate in May, and then I believe he'll move on, try to go somewhere where he can have, get to play actually, and so that'll open up a scholarship spot there, assuming that he does do that. 
Katie Johnson, you know, he, he, he's interesting. I, I really don't know what the case is going to be here with him. Uh, if he's okay with continuing this role of just kind of coming off of the bench, because I think that is what the, uh, Auburn coaching staff, uh, likes him in that role, uh, providing a spark off the bench, providing some energy. But does he want to be a starter? Does he want to be more of the, the alpha type of player that really he's not going to get the opportunity to be? here at Auburn. I don't know. So he's someone I've really got my eye on to see what he decides to do, whether uh, he comes back or not. Chris Moore. There are places Chris Moore can go and he can play more meaningful minutes. Uh, I like Chris Moore. I think he's a fantastic leader. He's a good defender, but doesn't provide much for you offensively, which is why his minutes have to be limited. That's something I don't think Auburn can afford to have next year uh, on this roster if they want to compete at the highest level. They were a very good defensive team this year, and defense matters. But you've got to have guys on the on the court that are threats to score. And Chris Moore really hasn't been that uh, for Auburn. So I think his minutes, depending on who is brought in, uh, could be reduced if he decides to stay. So he's someone I've got a close eye on as well. And then you're on Treyor. He he's he has said that he plans to return to Auburn. But if Auburn does seem to recruit over his head or bring in you know, someone else, does does he leave, or does he leave just because, you know, Jalen Williams returns, Janai Broom returns, Dylan Carwell returns, he's going to be a backup at best again next season. Is he okay with that role uh, again? I don't know. I, so we'll see with him. He's another interesting one to watch. I, I you know, There's a process, and so that college basketball players can go through that's different than any other professional sport. Well, baseball, you can be drafted and, and go to college. But in the NBA, you can test the waters of the NBA draft and still come back to college. I believe Janai Broom, Jalen Williams, Alan Flanagan will, will all definitely do this. Uh, and maybe even Wendell Green. I, I believe all of them will, will certainly do this. And uh, then, But I expect Janai Broom to return. I expect Jalen Williams to return. Alan Flanagan, though, I really do think that he's going to move on. I'm not sure that he can improve his draft stock that much. Maybe he can if he can return. I'd love for him to. I think it'd be great. He really played really well uh, in this back half of the season, shot at a higher percentage. His turnovers went down. He is a insane athlete. Uh, I'd love for him to return, but because of all the things I just said are the reason I think he's going to move on. Maybe he can work his way if he has a good combine and work his way into getting drafted, but at least getting a chance to get signed and, and maybe work his way into the G League or into the NBA eventually. Uh, so I think that's where that's headed with him. If I was making a prediction today, I would say I believe he is going to stay in the NBA draft and will not return to Auburn. I think Janai and Jalen both will. So my best guess uh, as far as what the the roster um will look like next year as far as guys who are leaving. This is fluid. This is pure speculation, pure guesswork on my end. I don't want uh, anyone to take this as reporting or, or info. This is just my guess on, on what's going, uh, who's going to leave, who's going to stay. I believe Katie Johnson is going to transfer. I believe Alan Flanagan goes to the NBA. I believe Stretch will uh, transfer, and I believe Simo uh, will transfer out as well. Chris Moore that is. That's leaving Yoan Treyor. I've been I was back and forth on whether I was going to put him on this list or not. I think he's going to return. 
Uh, but that that could change. Again, he's on the list, I said, uh, to watch. Leor Berman, he's not currently on scholarship. He is someone that could be put on scholarship if he returns. Uh, I don't have him on this on this list, whether he will or won't. He may have some professional opportunities overseas. I really don't have a good feel for what he's going to do, so I'm just sticking him in. Uh, I think that he returns to Auburn, and maybe he gets put on scholarship next uh, season. So with those four guys leaving, my best guess is Auburn brings in four transfers, and maybe they put Lior on on scholarship. Uh, that is my that is my best guess. As far as what transfers Auburn brings in, I think they're looking at every position except probably the five, assuming Janai Broom uh, and Dylan Cardwell both return, which I, I expect both of them uh, to do so. But I think they're looking at, at the four. They're looking at, especially hard at the three if Alan Flanagan does uh, declare Auburn will have to go after uh, the three. I think Chance Westry may end up playing there uh, next season, but still, they, they, they'll they have to go get a transfer there. But I think, you know, the... The two and the three are the two biggest positions that Auburn's going to look at in the transfer portal. A good shooting guard, someone who shoots at a high high percentage that can score. The three, looking for some size, some length, some defense, and and someone who can also uh, be a scoring threat. And maybe maybe they look at a point guard. I kind of doubt it, assuming Wendell Green returns, that they would look at the point guard position between the way I think Auburn likes Trey Donaldson, the way his development has come on. Of course, you've got Chance, who still could possibly play the one. And then you've got Aiden Holloway that's coming in that'll play the one or the two. So I find it unlikely that Auburn will will, will seriously go after a point guard in the portal. But, again, things can change, and they can change fast. So everything can change uh, on a dime if uh, Wendell Green does, in fact, uh, or, or doesn't uh, end up returning uh, to Auburn. Because I, I really do think that it's a possibility with him. Uh, I, I don't expect it, but if he feels like there's nothing more that I can do to improve my uh, pro aspirations, uh, then he might not return. That's really what it's all about. If, if a guy feels like that they've done all that they can do, uh, even if they have eligibility left, there's no way that they can make their draft stock or their professional aspirations any better they move on. Jared Harper is a great example of this. Uh, you know, a lot of Auburn fans were called off guard when he went on to the NBA. It was really because there was nothing more that Jerry could do. He could only hurt himself, essentially, as far as the NBA uh, went. So he went ahead and moved on and uh, went the pr- professional route. And that may be the case for uh, Wendell Green. And if it is, then wishing the best of luck. I hope it's not. I'd love to have him back. Um, but But we'll see. So if Again, things can change, and they're going to change. I'm sure I'll have new things to discuss uh, next week and in the weeks to follow and the month to follow here as the roster uh, continues to shake out. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to follow the transfer portal and co- across college basketball. Again, March Madness hasn't even ended yet. NCAA tournament isn't over yet, and we've already got tons of guys in the portal. Recruiting is in full swing. And... Uh, Roster discussions are being had. These things don't happen quickly. We we won't know on a lot of these guys on whether they're returning or, or leaving uh, Auburn until possibly the summer. So it does. It, it don't expect it to be fast as fast as it was with football, where you where you got transfers in like that. Them there might be some. There might be one or two that you know just they're so good. I've got to have them type of thing. 
But with a lot of these guys, it is going to draw out. Or a case where a guy enters the portal and they know exactly where they're going. Um, but a large part of the, the roster changes may not uh, happen until later on. So you have to be a little bit uh, patient with that. We've got to go to our second break now. But when we get back, we're going to be shifting gears, talking about Auburn football. So stay tuned here. Talking tumors now here on Weagle 91.1. There was a familiar face on Auburn's campus yesterday as Cam Newton returned to Auburn to throw for scouts at Auburn's Pro Day uh, yesterday and the the first Pro Day in the brand new football only facility. Uh, the, the guys uh, for Auburn, tons of them that are uh, trying to get drafted this uh, this year, uh, performed for NFL scouts yesterday. You know, running 40s, doing bench press, all all that type of stuff. But also had the special guest of Cam being back here as he's trying to get back into the NFL. He threw to his brother, Kalen Newton, who was a former Auburn receiver, transferred out, uh, and then um, has uh, used up his eligibility. So he he was trying to, Auburn let him participate in their pro day, which I thought was neat. Uh, so he, he was there, came through to him, a, a neat uh, situation and experience, I'm sure, for the Newton brothers uh, there to be able to do that at Auburn, a place that they both love. And really cool for the Auburn football program for some of the current and, you know, got former players to be able to watch uh, Cam and see Cam and uh, the media attention that it brought. But he wasn't trying to, to bring attention on himself. He said that, you know, he didn't talk to the media. That wasn't what it was all about. He wanted the, you know, attention to be on the guys who were trying to get drafted. Uh, not on him, but of course he's a, he's still a celebrity and a star at Auburn and, and across still the NFL world. So there was plenty of attention of course, Auburn social media hyped it up whenever you've got your Heisman Trophy winning and national championship winning quarterback back on campus. Uh, it's a big deal. So that was just a, a side note as we dive into Auburn spring practice as it continues to roll on as A-Day again is coming up on April 8th. So it'll be here in no time. Uh, Auburn will practice again today. They had a... Uh, somewhat of a scrimmage again it was more of a situational scrimmage this past Friday so I wanted to give you a few highlights it was hard to get much info out of that uh, but what I did see uh, was a couple of things and one was about a couple guys that really stood out that was Camden Brown and Keldrick Falk Uh, apparently both those guys stole the show Keldrick Falk the uh, true freshman early enrollee uh, defensive end slash jack linebacker position uh, he looked really good again. He is a absolutely stud. Uh, you know, he is huge, around six five. Apparently, he's put on a a good bit of muscle weight uh, as well. So he looks really good. Good that he showed out again. Jack is a position that is very thin, and Hugh Freeze uh, said we got a long way to go at that position. Auburn, and, and he wasn't afraid to say this either. We're going to be looking in the portal for for you know an edge rusher, Jack linebacker, as Auburn is calling it. They tried. They got one Elijah McAllister in the in the first transfer portal cycle. They they missed on a couple other targets that they are really looking to to get. What that means is Keltrick Falk is going to need to play a big role uh, this season uh, at, at that at the Jack linebacker position. But Auburn's still going to be looking for some possible other options in the transfer portal to add more depth uh, uh, there. And they're going to have to recruit, recruit, recruit in the high school ranks in this upcoming class at that position as well. And it looks like they're doing just that to build back that room 
uh, that was extremely depleted. Two of those guys were at the pro day yesterday, uh, Leota and Derek Hall, and that's the big reason that room is depleted because of the loss of those two players. Uh, as for Camden Brown, look, we all know that he is a phenomenal player. He showed out some last season. I think he would have had an even better season. The offense uh, was more productive. Uh, fantastic uh, player. Looking forward to watching him this season. Apparently, the impressive catch that stood out to everyone was like a back shoulder ball uh, that he caught. Not just your typical uh, back shoulder catch, I don't think. I think he had a little bit more flair to it. Uh, so big, uh, he stood out and Keldrick Falk stood out. Uh, I think uh, TJ Finley, I think, also had a pretty solid day. I mentioned that he was getting a lot of first-team reps. Him and Robbie Asher continue to rotate at that position. Don't think anything is close to being settled. In fact, Hugh Freeze said the quarterbacks have a long way to go. You know, He said he wished that they were further along, uh, I'm paraphrasing, further along uh, than they are at this point. Which is, 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 is tough to hear, but also you appreciate the honesty, uh, from Hugh Freeze on that, on the situ, on the situation with the quarterbacks. One thing he mentioned that stood out to me that he really said the quarterbacks have to get a lot better on, and this makes sense, it's RPO. You know, big emphasis of this, uh, Philip Montgomery, Hugh Freeze offense is going to be the run pass option and how to handle that with the running back and where your eyes are supposed to be. Apparently, quarterbacks are struggling with that. That's not something Auburn ran a lot of. So it makes sense to me that this is something new to them, that they would struggle with it. But what I really liked from Hugh Freeze that it didn't stand out to a lot of other people, but he said, look, we're going we're gonna to have to coach this a different way, and we're going to start doing that today. Love that. It, it shows, that's the mark of a good coach, in my opinion. Seeing something, okay, it's not working. Apparently, they're not getting it. The way that I'm teaching it right now, it's, it's not working. So you know what? I'm going to adapt. I'm going to figure out a way that we can teach this better. And so that's what seemingly Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery and uh, Kent Alston, the others on this uh, staff, uh, are doing that are working with the quarterbacks. We've got to figure out how to improve them. If Auburn's quarterback play isn't better this year, it's not going to be from a lack of trying. I can promise you that. They're going to do everything they can. And if they come out of the spring and they're not confident in one of these guys in that quarterback room, they're they're going to get a transfer. And, and that's why I kind of believe that's where things are headed. I've said that, and I'll stand by that statement. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love nothing more for one of those guys currently on the roster to uh, take uh, this position by the reins. I just don't see it happening. And it sounds like they're not anywhere close at the, at the moment uh, from one kind of stepping up. But... Still got a few more practices left before A-Day, so we'll see what happens. A couple of injury notes that I need to uh, tell you about as well. Malcolm Johnson Jr., Auburn receiver, I talked about him in the wide receiver preview uh, last on last week's show. Uh, he was injured a lot last year, apparently has a collarbone injury. Uh, uh, now, if he wants to finally break out and finally be the receiver that I think he has the potential to be, he's got to stay healthy. Uh, right now, that that's not the case. He'll be out until some point during the summer, uh, according to Hugh Freeze. Tate Johnson, also out with injury, really looked to be having a good spring. Also, we know that he was starting center last year, went down with an injury. Uh, this one doesn't seem too severe. I think a dislocated elbow, not an injury you hear very often, but that seems to be the case for him. But he worked his way with really running with the ones at guard, which I thought was... 
interesting, but it was good that, well, I mean, it's not uncommon for a center to be able to play guard, but I, I was a little surprised that he was running with the ones, to be quite frank with you. But that was a good thing and glad that, that he seems to have improved and that the staff likes him a lot. So I hate that he is uh, banged up. Hopefully he'll be able to get back to full speed quickly and be ready to go for the summer. That's the only two injuries, uh, knock on wood, that Auburn has right now, at least that Hugh Freeze has discussed. Hopefully everyone uh, stays healthy. I know with the running backs, Hugh Freeze being very, very careful with that room, you know, not letting them get tackled too much, uh, trying to keep their knees uh, nice and healthy moving forward. A couple other notes, uh, Connor Liu. So I mentioned that uh, Tate Johnson went down with injury. So Connor Liu, who is also a center, that has moved into running uh, some with the ones at guard. So you got two centers in Tate Johnson and Connor Liu that are playing some guard because Avery Jones really has that center spot on lock, at least it seems uh, to me. But I mentioned, if you if you can go back and, and think about my breakdown of Auburn's signing class, I mentioned Connor Liu as someone who could start day one. Uh, but we thought that was going to be at center. But with Avery Jones coming in, you know, more experienced guy there, it makes sense that he's going to start at center. But that doesn't mean Connor Lou's not still a good offensive lineman and that he he can't still push for a starting job elsewhere on the offensive line. And it seems that's exactly what he has done. So he's moving to guard right now, I would assume, still probably playing some center, backup center maybe uh, to Avery Jones. But also they're giving him a look uh, with the ones at guard with Tate Johnson's entry. I like that a lot. Really like Connor Liu. Really like his potential. I do think eventually he'll probably be the starting center for Auburn if Avery Jones is only here uh, for one year. But the fact that he's shown the ability as a freshman in spring uh, to be able to play multiple positions, that's a good sign uh, of someone who's going to be a really good offensive lineman uh, for Auburn. So very excited uh, about that uh, with him. Uh, Clay Whedon, another early enrollee, uh, was a three-star, but apparently he's doing some good things, getting to run with some twos, also playing some guard, playing some tackle. I talked about him as well as just being a guy that's a team player, just wants to uh, help the team be the best uh, that it can uh, that it can be. So I like that uh, from him. So offensive line, of course, is a big topic, and we'll continue uh, to keep an eye on that. A couple more notes on uh, the quarterback uh, situation with Robbie Ashford. I think accuracy issues are continuing to be an issue with him, and I think that's why you're seeing T.J. Finley still get some some reps with the ones. But Robbie Ashford hasn't gotten to show what he does best a ton yet. I don't know how live they went with the scrimmage, uh, but I imagine the quarterbacks still aren't getting hit. What he does best is what you can't really practice, and that's the ability uh, to extend plays with his legs, uh, to make something happen when nothing seems to be there. That can also be a fault if you're too aggressive uh, in that situation. But that that is, that is something that that Robbie Ashford has, has not gotten to show really the staff yet. They can see it on film, but that's the biggest strength. And when you're a more athletic quarterback, when you're more of a, quote, scrambler type of, type of QB, you don't really get to do that. So a, a true true pocket passer is going to look better in seven on seven situations and, and things like that than 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 Robbie Ashford. The question the staff has to be able to answer at some point though with quarterbacks 
does the ability, Robbie Ashford's running ability, his ability to extend plays, the ability to improvise, that was the word I've been looking for for the last two minutes, does that negate the lesser passing? So if TJ Finley, yeah, he's a little bit better passer, but he didn't have the running ability of Robbie Ashford, does that mean Robbie's my guy? Probably. But if, let's say, for instance, just throwing out a number, okay, TJ's completing 65% of his passes, Robbie's completing 45% of his passes, well, then does running ability and ability to improvise really make up for that big of a discrepancy? Probably not. So if you're Robbie Ashford, you've got to still be competitive as far as passing goes at the quarterback position. It can be a little bit worse, but you you can't be a whole like another level uh, worse as a passer. And maybe he's pressing uh, right now, you know, too much. Maybe that's why things aren't aren't uh, going as well for him as he would like. But again, still a lot of time to go here in spring. Time for him to make improvements. I wanted to do a preview on the tight end running back room, but we ran out of time uh, there. And I want to talk baseball in this final segment, so we'll we'll hold that for next week. Quick note before we go to our final break, Auburn football is supposed to have more of a full-on traditional scrimmage this upcoming Friday, so hopefully we'll have some notes from that on next week's show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after our final break. Why is Connor having trouble focusing? In the- well, Auburn baseball won last night in Montgomery against South Alabama. They got off to a hot start. Uh, South Alabama came back, but Auburn Ended up winning the game 6-5. to five. A good outing from Drew Nelson. You know, he was the guy who Auburn thought was going to be their third starter, kind of, beginning of the season, but really struggled. But he was able to get his first win of the season. So I, I'm, I'm glad for him, happy for him, that he, he was able to pitch well uh, through four innings, only gave up one hit. Really, really good outing from him. Uh, Hayden Murphy, the other uh, one of the other freshman pitchers there for Auburn, didn't have a great of a night. Gave up two runs in two innings. John Armstrong, uh, also not a great night for him. Gave up three runs in two innings as well. But then Chase Isbell came in and closed the door. It was good for Auburn to finally get the win after what's been a rough stretch here uh, of late for this baseball team. They got swept this past weekend uh, to open up SEC play against a very, very good Arkansas team. Not take anything away from that Razorback crew, but there, there's a lot of fears, I think, around the fan base that this could be 2021 all over again for Auburn. And if you remember that 2021 season, the team was just not healthy, and they never seemed to, to get healthy, and if they were, they were they were a pretty good, uh, pretty good team. And I think this year could be similar, but this team just is, is banged up right now, hopefully, the guys that are healthy stay healthy, and hopefully they're able to get those guys who are banged up back at full speed. But even if they do, I, I still have concerns uh, at, at certain parts. I'm still a little concerned with the lineup. Yes, they hit well in non-conference, but they have struggled here uh, as of late. Even with having some of your better hitters out of the lineup, I get that. But it still shouldn't be this big of a drop-off, in, in my opinion. They had just over 10 hits in the entire series. Against Arkansas, that's not going to cut it. Uh, the games really were not competitive, uh, so that that has to improve. It, you can't just depend on your stars. Yes, Bobby Pierce is out. Yes, Cooper McMurray is out right now in the in the lineup. I know Cole Foster has been playing. He's he, you know he's been banged up, 
but you've got to get production one through nine in the lineup. Uh, you can't just depend on those guys to ret- uh, return. It's not like Bobby Pierce is going to return and then he's going to double that amount of hits in the whole series. You know, it's just not going to happen. It has to be everybody has to produce uh, throughout the lineup. Yes, those guys will certainly help because maybe they can add you know six more hits uh, to that and get that gets that number up to sixteen hits maybe in a series. But uh, you still got to have better production throughout. And I'm still concerned about the rotation. Yes, Auburn needs to get Joseph Gonzalez back. There's no doubt about that. I am uh, ready and ho- hoping that he is uh, getting close to being ready to return. No doubt Auburn needs at least one pitcher who is near dominant uh, as as a starter. But I, I don't feel super confident in a two or a three uh, starter on the on this staff, and I'm I, I'm not sure that that Auburn does either. Uh, Zach Crotchfield, I do believe, is is your only guy who's really solidified himself at this point as another starter besides Joseph Gonzalez. Um, things haven't gone as planned for Chase Alsup. You know, they moved him back into the pen. Uh, we're trying Tanner Bauman in the starting role. That's worked well some. Hasn't worked well at other times. So I am concerned about starting rotation. I think Auburn has a lot of good arms, but finding an actual starter uh, has been tough, I think, for this team. So I, I'm, I'm concerned uh, with that. And so we'll see, though. Again, no reason to freak out yet. It, that was only the first series. Long way to go. Again, team needs to get healthy, but let's let's not just use that as an excuse to to blow off any other issues that the team I believe still has at at the moment. But they'll play Georgia uh, this weekend. Georgia's also a team coming off being swept. Get home to Plainsman Park. Need to win this series this weekend. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, so we'll see we'll see how that goes uh, for Auburn baseball, and we'll have more on them next uh, week. But before I get out of here, I do want to mention uh, Auburn gymnastics, and they finished fifth in the SEC tournament. Uh, there, uh, Sony Lee was still out with her uh, non gymnastics health related uh, issues, but still Auburn put up a really good score, uh, performed really well. They'll travel to UCLA for the NCAA regional championship. On March 29th, there will be multiple different uh, teams there. If uh, Auburn finishes in the top two, they will advance to the national uh, championship. So uh, we'll have maybe have a little bit more on that on uh, next week's show uh, as well as um, they'll be heading out there a week from uh, today, actually. So that will wrap us up here on Talking Tumors. On Weagle 91.1, thank you all for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed the, the basketball info as that was the bulk uh, of our show today as long as some insight on, on football. And uh, we'll be back again next week with, with, I'm sure, more info on basketball, more info on football, and probably a deeper dive into uh, some baseball next week. So, again, thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 10. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Wednesday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle and see you next time.